Hello, we are back on Zoom because you'll find out in this episode, but Kathy Kirsten and I talk about health issues, which is why we're on Zoom this week, because something big happened for Kirsten and I felt we needed to talk about it. And if we were going to talk about it, we had to talk about it on a Zoom and she'll explain it in the episode. So thank you for being patient with our inconsistent audio because Zoom is a little more difficult than my fancy microphone. Um, but um, I think this was a really good conversation. Um, I I think, yeah, I think it was a really good one. So I hope that you uh, enjoy it. And if you haven't already bought your mechanic free water slippers right here, I'm showing them on camera if you're looking. They're amazing. They have a rubber sole. You can wear them outside. Bert Kreischer's face is on the rubber sole. And I am in the insole in a graphic with me juggling my kids, my husband, my dogs. And a panther because I'm so panther. Uh, anyway, these are um, awesome house shoes. I know Valentine's Day is coming up. So you can go to freewaters.com and buy a pair of mechanics. Buy a pair of the machines for, for your man if you want. They are navy blue. Um, the mechanics are gray. So if you're looking for good Valentine's Day gifts, I highly recommend them. I live in mine. I wear them all the time. And you can throw them in the washer. Even though they're wool, I machine wash mine. So... Um, and they turn out great. So if you're looking for something for Valentine's Day, I highly recommend. Thank you for all your comments. Every week, I read all of them. I don't get to respond to all of them, but I actually read every single one. So thank you very much. I love your podcast um, episode suggestions, and I love your feedback on what we're talking about. So thank you. Keep them coming. Um, if you know someone who would uh, benefit from this podcast, please share it. And um, I hope you enjoy this episode with me and Kathy and Kirsten. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay. But Zoom was necessary today. Why was Zoom necessary today, ladies? <laughs> Anybody want to explain? I'll tell you, my friend. <laughs> well, Kirsten. I started the year off by having a heart attack. Oh, my God. And... um yeah, so we're on Zoom because I'm in sort of a modified quarantine situation. I'm not supposed to be around people unmasked because of the risk of COVID-induced uh, myocarditis, and I have a myocardial um, issue. So um, myocardi myocarditis is inflammation, and that could cause another heart attack. <laughs> That's so crazy. So how did you know you were having a heart attack? Like what was happening? I did not know I was having a heart attack. Um, I, um, 
I was having chest, I wouldn't call it pain. It was more like tightness, um, short of breath. I was very short of breath. I'd been complaining for a couple of days to Richard that I was walking around the house. And I said, I feel like I just got back from a run. Mm. Did not get back from a run. I was just (laughs) walking around the house doing laundry and dishes. And I mean, it was, the kids were still on vacation. And so we were just living a very slow, (laughs) right? slow lifestyle. And I thought, why am I huffing and puffing? I was just, and I was sitting there on the couch, just going, (sighs) and um, it's just not normal. I'm a relatively fit person. I exercise, uh, even when I'm not exercising a lot, I'm exercising. Well, you ran Um, marathons for years, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was the the only reason that started wasn't, had nothing to do with my heart or fitness. It was about my knee. (laughs) my knee just couldn't take it anymore. Um, but yeah, so I was huffing and puffing. And then I also had noticed that I'd been getting a Charlie horse in my calf had been waking me up in the middle of the night. You know, that happens sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it'd been happening pretty consistently. And I Googled the symptoms and it, they're the symptoms of a, a DVT blood clot, which as you may remember, Richard had, um, several years ago, again, very like out of the blue, too young to have it. Um, it was, it was very unexpected. And so I called my doctor just thinking, you know, maybe I, sh- I, I talked to Richard and he's like, no, he's always the one who's like, no, you should go see a doctor. And I'm like, Ugh, it's COVID. I don't want to go through this. And, um, I'm so Canadian. It's like, I go to the doctor if I'm at death's door only. And, um, he's like, no, you really need to call your doctor. This is troubling. And so I called my doctor's office to get an appointment and they were like, we're going to put a nurse on the phone to, and I was like, Hmm, this has been escalated. (laughs) And the nurse came on and listened and said, you need to go to the ER. And I said, I do not want to go to the ER. And the nurse said, this sounds like a DVT blood clot and you need to get that rolled out. That's very serious. So I was very irritated and we hemmed and hawed about which uh, ER to go to. And I was like, Oh, just go to the closest. I'm not going to be there for long. They're just, you know, it's, it was noon on a Wednesday. So it's not like it was party time or anything. It's not, you know, not a typical time for a lot of car accidents and right. drunkenness. And um, <laughs> so um, I went to the ER. The ER was, at, if I may be so rude to say a shit show. It was. <laughs> you can. It was a shit show when I went there too. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was just filled with, with COVID patients. Um, and um most of whom did not choose to wear a mask, even though they were told repeatedly to wear a mask. There were people who were taking their mask down to cough. (laughs) (laughs) I screamed at this guy. I was like, that's what the mask is there for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so I went through the, you know, the usual intake and they did, you know, a test here and a test there, but nobody was, there wasn't any sense of urgency that the ER was packed. It was standing room only. So I was on my feet and I was like, Hmm, if I do have a blood clot, this is probably not a good idea, but I probably don't have a blood clot. I'm fine. And, um, 
Yeah. Long story short, I was there. I finally went up at eight hours. I'd been there for eight hours and I'd seen some people come and go. I'd seen a lot of drama and I went up and I said, you know, I've been here for eight hours and I'm just wondering, like, I, I understand you're very busy, but I'm just trying to understand like what's going on, like what happens next. And the, the nurse uh, misheard me and she's like, you've been here for an hour. And I said, no, I've been here for eight hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're double masked. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard to get clarity. And she's like, oh, and she said, oh, yeah. Um, and something about my heart. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, um, yeah, we're looking at a potential heart attack here. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what? I've been on my feet for eight hours. And she's like, yeah, well, just go do this urine test or whatever. Because the next test was going to have to be something that would, like, if you were pregnant, you couldn't. And I was like, I'm not pregnant, but okay, fine. And then I was like, Jesus, okay, where, <laughs> where are we going with this? And, um, within about a half hour, they said they actually, they finally had me back. I was in the waiting room all this time. They would just bring me to the back to do a test here, a test there. And then I'd just be back in, in the waiting room, the, like the main ER waiting room. And they finally brought me back at eight, about eight and a half hours, nine hours into it and said, you are having a heart attack. Oh my God. And we're going to admit you. And I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> I see. Um, I mean, what, what do you say to that? It said that my um, heart enzymes were elevated, which showed that I was having a heart attack and that my, at that point, I was also having a squeezing in my arm. Mm. Um, so I was having squeezing in my chest, shortness of breath, um, squeezing in my arm. And none of it I would describe as pain, but I mean, low grade pain, but it was, it was more just very out of the ordinary. Mm. Um, and I mean, I was definitely very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't categorize it as pain. Um, and I guess that, that's really typical for women. When women have a heart attack, we most likely, most usually um, have discomfort, not pain. Men tend to have a more dramatic, like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why they don't have babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no offense, Halston, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then, but it was, it was crazy. They were triaging everybody in the halls of the ER. So I was just on a gurney, like in the hallway, for three more hours and like calling Richard and saying, so he said, I'm having a heart attack. Um, oh my God. How scary. Yeah, it was scary. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I was in the hospital, um, uh, overnight and, um, the next morning they sent me down and said, well, you're going to do a stress test with the cardiologist. And I went down to the, and then the, throughout the night, I saw another doctor who was like, you know what? It's probably not a heart attack. It's probably, you know, sometimes these heart enzymes can get elevated for other reasons. If you Google it, the other reasons are like kidney disease and, you know, <laughs> different things. <laughs> 
So it, it wasn't exactly good news. <laughs> no, it wasn't exactly good news. But I was like, he didn't, I mean, he wasn't a cardiologist. So he, I think he was just trying to calm me down. Although well, maybe I was, he was just an asshole. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. Who does that? Unclear. Unclear <laughs> is right. Um, so I went down for the, the stress test and the, they had me all hooked up with everything to get the stress test. And, um, the cardiologist walked in and she goes to the computer and she's looking at my stuff and she's like, Oh, you can't do a stress test. You had a heart attack. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, did I, or didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday they said that I did. And then in the night, this doctor said that I didn't, she's like, he was my cardiologist. You had a heart attack. Like (laughs) she's like, I'm looking at all the numbers and you, you know, and you had a heart attack. And um, I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? <laughs> and she said, you need an angiogram, a, a heart cath procedure where they, um, so I got that a few hours later, they went in through my wrist, um, through the artery oh wrist, and they stuff a catheter up your arm, a, a tube, a catheter and stuff it up there to the heart. And um it was uncomfortable. You have to be awake during that. Um, it's not pleasant. It's not, again, it's not painful. It's very uncomfortable and, mm-hmm. um, very weird and very gross thinking they're in through an artery. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about, I mean, growing up, it's like, I, this is so crass, but like when we joked about suicide as teenagers, it was like, slash, slap, you know, right, it's right, like, right, right. You think of wrists and it's like, oh, great. My wrist is open there. Yeah. yeah. How nice. Yeah. Um, so when he went in and, and did that, so they shoot this um, dye um, so that, um, and then they, it's essentially like, my understanding of it is it's like an x-ray type um, situation. And so the dye allows them to see the arteries and mm-hmm. what the arteries are doing. Mm-hmm. The great news is that I do not have blockages. That's However, good. The confounding news about that is that people have heart attacks because they have blockages. So then it's like, what's going on? So um, the cardiologist did find that I have a congenital heart defect. Congenital Mm -hmm. means from birth, like that I had it when I was born, um, called uh, myocardial bridging. Um, So what happens is, again, not a doctor. (laughs) This is my (laughs) very basic understanding of it but the arteries are supposed to lay above the heart in this, in this situation. Um, there is an artery that is, um, through the heart, some heart muscle. Mm. So then if the heart muscle squeezes, it can squeeze that artery. Mm. Um, so, um, it acts like a blockage. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But it's not a blockage on the inside. It's like a squeezing a water hose. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, that seemed to be good news. The cardiologist was happy with that and, um, just, and said, oh, it's, you know, bridges are innocuous. And I was like, well, it doesn't, a <laughs> heart attack doesn't seem innocuous yeah. to me. If that's what caused it. But again, like, uh, you know, I was on a sedative at the time, like, and so I was like, Hmm, did that make sense? But I did ask him to call, um, Richard as well, because I thought, you know, I'm never going to remember what this uh, is pretty stressful situation. So, um, 
I called Richard and I talked to Richard afterwards and Richard's take was exactly the same as mine. We both heard the same thing. And I was, um, I was discharged from the hospital later that night. So I was only, I was only in the hospital for two days and one night. Um, and then it was sort of, um, yeah, anyway, I, I don't know where, I don't know where to go. What, what questions do you have? I, it was, um, crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. So I was in like a splint because that my, my wrist was still open, <laughs> Right. Which it grosses me out still to talk about this. It's I'm very grossed out by things like arteries. And by the way, our next book club pick, Carrie, I was reading this in the hospital. (laughs) And it's like, obviously, it's Stephen King. So it's full of blood and (laughs) grossness. And I was like, oh, I just had this thing stuffed up my artery. It was it's very apropos. Yeah. Very apropos. apropos. In some ways, a great pairing in some ways, not in many ways, not. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway. Um, so I was, you know, uh, my heart was still racing a lot for the next several days, but I was immediately put on a bunch of heart meds. And, um, then, um, a week after the procedure, I, um, went to, for a follow-up with the cardiologist and, um, I have to be tentative about my words. Um, I don't think that they were bad cardiologists. However, (laughs) however, um, so I went in and um, the cardiologist said, well, okay, we're going to have you on this and I'm going to also start this and this and this meds. I'm on a bunch of meds and, um, and, you know, this is caused by vasospasms, uh, an artery just spasming. We don't know why that's happening, but these meds should, should be fine. Um, we're going to do another echo in a while and blah, blah, blah. Fine. And I said, well, what about the myocardial bridge? And she said, oh, that's, that's innocuous, you know? And I said, well, but is it though? Cause doesn't it make sense that if the artery is going through there, that if it's squeezing, that that would cause the blockage. And, um, she said, no, no, it, it's vasospasms. I was like, oh, well, okay. Just, doesn't it seem like big information that we just uncovered that I have a, a congenital heart condition? And she was like, no, you don't have to worry about that. And I said, well, and I'd done a little bit of research in the week in between the, the appointment. And I said, um, well, how deep is the bridge? And she said, it's small. And I said, well, how many centimeters, how many millimeters or centimeters? And she said, it's small. You don't have to worry about it. And I was like, okay. um, Okay. And I left there feeling very unheard. Like, um, because it was a little, it was a little um, gaslighting to go, okay, you have this heart defect. Oh, it wasn't the heart defect. No, something else random just happened. Well, why did this random thing happen? Don't we want to get to the bottom of this? I'm still in my (laughs) forties. For another few seconds, like, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm young and have no blockages. So aren't we a little concerned? She's yeah. She was very concerned that, you know, this is very alarming. You're, you're young. There's no reason for this to happen, but she wouldn't answer any questions about this congenital heart defect. And I, I came home, I called Richard and he said, do you need a second opinion? And I said, oh, that's so American of you. 
<laughs> we don't do second opinions in Canada. You just, you know, she's a cardiologist. I, I think she's very smart. <laughs> um, and he said, well, uh, okay, think about it, but I, I think you should get a second opinion. And then I called my friend Eileen to update her. And I told her, and she said, you need a second opinion. <laughs> and I said, Eileen, you're so American. And she's like, Kirsten, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> You've been living here a while now. <laughs> yeah. And she said, you know, we deal with a lot of shit living in LA. We deal with a lot of traffic and smog and fires. And But one of the pluses about living in LA is that we have all these great specialists that you can pick from. And, you know, you don't have to go with the first one. She said, I don't like that. She didn't listen to you. I don't like that. She didn't answer your questions. I don't like that. She's making this conjecture and not listening to the the heart condition. I said, fine, I'll get a second opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Richard called Vivian's cardiologist because as you know, Vivian was, was premature and she had a heart condition and we love her cardiologist, but of course he only sees kids and he called her cardiologist and left a message and just said, look, um, my wife had a heart attack and, um, we're looking to get a second opinion. I'm wondering if the doctor recommends anyone. And he called Richard back within about 20 minutes personally. And, um, said, is this Kirsten? What's going on? And, um, he gave Richard, he talked to him for a long time. He gave him a lot of um, people that he recommends. And uh, I ended up, I did a little bit of research on what their particular specialties were. And I, I went to one of the um, cardio, uh, cardiologists that he recommended who said, we, yeah, we absolutely need to find out what's going on with this bridge. Like it, he said, yes, it absolutely makes sense. He said, she might be right. It may be vasospasms. That does happen sometimes to somebody who's young and otherwise has no other reason to have a heart attack. Yes, that's possible. And he said, but is it also possible that the vasospasm was caused by being constricted by this heart muscle? Yeah. And he said, and we want to know because for one, it would affect the, the meds that you're on. So the first doctor put me on a calcium channel blocker, which is appropriate for vasospasms. This doctor switched me to a beta blocker, which is appropriate for a myocardial bridge um, blockage. So um, anyway. So he, so he was trying to figure out what the real root is. Yeah. He said, let's find out. Like, let's not guess at this. Let's find out. And I thought, yes, that's exactly what I want. I want mm-hmm. to find out. I don't want to worry for the rest of my life. Am I going to have another heart attack? Um, my kids are stressed out. Like, you know, we're, we're pretty stressed out by this. It was, it was all around just shocking experience. Um, it still is. I still can't really wrap my mind around it, but the second opinion, Dr. Richard and Eileen were right. Um, I should, you know, I definitely needed to get a second opinion and he was wonderful. And he, the bad news is that I need a second heart cath. and this one is slightly more invasive because they're actually stuffing a camera up the catheter (laughs) good lord again my understanding somebody there's probably a cardiologist listening to this going oh my god she knows nothing (laughs) i know nothing okay i i'm i've never even contemplated my heart before because i've run all again i've run all these marathons like i've been really fit um throughout my life and you know i 
And I asked him, I was like, well, why, why have I been able to run all these marathons and whatever? Apparently um, with the myocardial bridge um, being active um, can actually help with the blood flow. Mm. So um, that's why it never bothered me when I was active. And then ironically, so I was on a very long, not super long, but a six hour flight on the Saturday before. I had a heart attack on the Wednesday, but the Saturday before I had been on a, a long flight and I did not move. I was in the center seat Ugh. and, you know, didn't want to bug anybody. And then I was nervous about wandering around the, the plane. And um, so, yeah, so I was very, very sedentary for, and it was more than six hours because, you know, you get on early, you get off late, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so apparently that can, that's one potential trigger to this condition. Um, but it's sort of, it's opened up a whole other can of worms, or I shouldn't say open up a can of worms, but just like shed light on basically my entire medical history. <laughs> really? How so? Um, what do you mean? So, um, I was diagnosed with asthma, um, after Camille was born and I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I'm in my 30, I'm 33 and I diagnosed with asthma suddenly. And apparently asthma can be brought on by a change in hormones, which makes sense. Just had a baby. Um, but I, I never got any satisfaction from the albuterol from the inhaler. And I know that my friends, the people that I know with asthma, when they're having trouble breathing, they take a puff and there's relief and they feel relief. And I never felt the relief anytime. And so I would never use my inhaler. I'd use my inhaler like once a year when Richard would be like, you need to use your inhaler. Excuse Bless me. you. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry. Um, and, um, but it, it just, it never brought me any relief. Well, now I'm realizing that the symptoms, so I never had wheezing asthma. I had like shortness of breath, coughing, um, which are very, um, they're, they're really more cardiac. Mm. So it probably wasn't <laughs> asthma at all. It had to do yeah. with your, yeah, your mitochondrial. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what. Would never be able to re repeat that. Uh, I mean, I just got uh, got was able to remember that Izzy's surgery is called TPLO. I mean, that's pretty easy. <laughs> TPLO, much mitochondrial. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> that's what I'd call it. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um. What yeah. a crazy experience. So what, what else does it shed a light on with your whole health history? Anything other than the asthma? Um, I was hospitalized when I was 12 years old. We were, um, we were skiing in Utah as a family and I was trying to get down and it was going down, you know, skiing down. We stopped at a sort of plateau and I was really short of breath and then like, okay, let's just get to the bottom. We got to the bottom. I was super short of breath. And my mom said, you know what? I'm, I'll take her back to the house. And she took me back to the house and I napped. And I mean, never trust a 12 year old who naps. Like that's, right. <laughs> you know, nothing ends well with a 12 year old who naps. And um, I woke up from that just sort of gasping for air. And um, they took me to the hospital and um, they, they said she needs to be admitted. And not only that, she needs to go to the children's hospital. So they popped me on a helicopter and I rode my first helicopter ride was an air ambulance, um, to the children's hospital. And, um, I was, I don't know how long I was in the hospital. I don't actually, I don't have a memory of that. I'd have to ask my parents, but, um, I was hospitalized and they were getting ready to do, um, a trach 
like to cut a hole here and uh, because I, I wasn't breathing. And then, and then I somehow made, turned things around was okay. Well, the myocardial bridge can also be, that condition can also be exacerbated by um, altitude. Yeah. I was going to say it had to do with your altitude. Probably Utah's yeah. high. We had skied there before mm-hmm. we had, you know, but it's like, who knows? And then I have a little theory too, which of course I haven't read any literature on. This is, I'm totally throwing it out there. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have a little theory that maybe there's um, a hormonal component as well because our hormones do affect our muscles. Um, It really affects everything. And so when I was 12, I would have been like super hormone puberty like ish and when I had just had a baby, <laughs> there are a lot of hormones. I also had another major, my other major asthma event, asthma event, quote unquote, um, was after Vivian was born. So after both of my babies were born, I had an asthma event. And then now I'm late forties. That's, you know, hormones are changing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my wild theory, which of course there, I don't think there's been any studies on that. And I'll, I'll ask my doctor and who knows. I don't think that's a wild theory at all. There's so much that happens relative to hormones. I mean, if we know that hormones directly affect the development of a dog's joint, you know, that's a bone and tissue development that has nothing to do with reproductive organ, you know, then what else do we not know that it affects? It's got to affect almost everything, I think. Um, so much changed for me physically after I had a baby too, and that was all hormonal. Um, I don't think that's a crazy theory at all, but I think that is crazy what you just went through. I'm so glad you're okay. Um, Thanks. It was really scary as your friend <laughs> to hear that this was happening and to, to feel really helpless and afraid and uh, worried and worried for your kids. I can't imagine how um, anxious your kids must have been when you were in the hospital and (laughs) you had a heart attack. My kids were, I mean, my kids were a wreck when I had COVID, (laughs) much less if I had a heart attack. So I don't know. Yeah, that is ongoing actually um, because you know how like one of my children is really dealing with a lot of a lot of the fallout of it right now and is saying, but you know, I don't understand your home now. And I said, it makes perfect sense when you're just getting through it. When I was in the hospital, it's like, okay, one foot in front of the other, like just get through it. It's, it's sort of like this, this procedure, the, the heart cath. When I was in admitted to the hospital, I'm in the hospital, I've had a heart attack and they're like, you need a heart cath. It's like, okay, like, here we go. Now that I'm not in the hospital and they're saying you need to go back and have a heart, another heart cath. I'm like, Oh, do I have to? Right. (laughs) I mean, obviously I'm going to do it. I'm compliant, but there's, there's a, um, the momentum of being in the hospital just sort of carries everything. And I was just telling her like the momentum of just getting through all of that. It was like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to text mom some funny, um, nailed it fails. Um, (laughs) I'm going to text her pictures of the animals and, I mean, they were so great, um, very thoughtful and, and um, sent me cute videos. And 
But then now that I'm home and it's like, wait a minute, why did this happen again? Like nobody knows. Uh, so does that make it could happen anytime? And I get it. Like I, I have some anxiety about that too. It was a very well, mild heart attack. So that's why it's called post-traumatic stress though. Like oh, it happens exactly. after the stress, right? Like it makes perfect sense that there's a lot still happening, even though you're now home and more calm, more healthy, more whatever, right? Like yeah. it makes complete sense that they're falling apart a little bit. That sucks. Yeah, it does make sense. I know when I was, when I fell and was in the hospital for one day, the, I got up a bandage. I was like, okay, I got to work out. I got to do this. I got to do that. Nothing's wrong. I'm good. Let's just get from A to B, just like you're talking about A to B, A to B. And the same in the hospital. I was like, let's get to A to B, A to B, A to B. And then later I got really scared. Like days yeah. later, after I'd been home for a while, I got, I was, I was really shaken up. Like, wow, I like collapsed and like busted my face open legit. Like I have a big scar here that's never going away. Like I still can't feel my bottom lip from it. I had nerve damage. It's nothing like a heart attack, but it still was very scary and very traumatic. And they were like, maybe she has brain cancer. Maybe <laughs> she has heart attack. Maybe yeah. she was this cardiac. Was this, it was a mystery Mine turned out to be very low blood pressure and a drop in blood sugar, which is super easy to regulate. I just eat a snack before I go to bed and I'm good. Um, but, but yeah, it was days later where I went, oh my God, I just like was in the hospital and this was really scary. I yeah. Think you, I was hilarious. Kicks in. Totally. I was so funny, like at the hospital and in the days after I was cracking all the jokes about all of the, I mean, there were some nuts in the ER, like some crazy sure, in experiences. LA. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I was cracking all the jokes and, you know, cracking the jokes to the nurses and everybody loved me. And I came home was cracking all the jokes to everybody. Everybody's calling to check up on me, cracking all the jokes. And then I sat down and just started crying. And Richard's oh. like, are you okay? Like, and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just processing. <laughs> Bless your heart. Oh. Well, um, Isn't it crazy that in your late forties, they haven't discovered this before. Like that, if you were born with this, this is so mind boggling. How yes. has no one ever noticed? So actually I will tell you that because yes, that was the number one question on everybody's minds. There's actually a legit um, answer and it was not doctors not knowing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, the only way that this can be found out is through an invasive heart procedure, which you would only have if you had a heart attack mm -hmm. um, or in an autopsy. So right, right. they used to this think is much better. This yeah. one's much better than the autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it really has to be, they, they can't find it out because it doesn't show up. I I've had actually two years ago, two and a half years ago, a friend of mine, an acquaintance friend um, posted on Facebook that she had been feeling very short of breath and had been just not feeling herself. She's very fit and active and, president of the PTA and blah, 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 you know, doing, doing, doing. And she just wasn't feeling herself and went to the doctor and they sent her to a cardiologist and long story short, she had a 99% blockage in the Widowmaker um, mm -hmm. artery. And um, she, you know, had a made, it was a major heart event. And so she had stents put in and she's fine now, but 
she, she posted this very emotional uh, Facebook post, just saying like women, like listen to your body. If you're, you know, she was just thinking like, Oh, I'm just being so lazy. I'm so lazy. And so why am I so sluggish? Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, it was like, no, listen to this. You're not usually sluggish, go to the doctor. And she did listen to her body and and it, it turned Mm -hmm. out well. And then, so I, I, I filed that away in my brain. And a couple months later, I was having the shortness of breath and squeezing in my chest. And I went to the doctor and they were like, yeah. And I guess I, I must not have told them that it was chest pain when I called on the, cause they, they, they won't see you for that. That's, that's one thing is that don't call your doctor and say that you have chest pain. They will send you to the ER. But um, anyway, I saw my doctor and they sent me to a cardiologist and I went to the cardiologist. I had the full workup. I did the stress test. I did the EKG. I did the echo. Everything looked great. And I mean, there I was on the stress test running and running and running. I can run forever. I can run marathons. (laughs) I'm like, like going, going, going. And the cardiologist is like, you are fine. You're fine. Like everything's great. You have a great heart. Congratulations. Goodbye. Like on your way. And, um, and honestly, even in the hospital, all of my tests showed great heart, great heart, great heart, great heart until they got in there until they Mm -hmm. were great heart, except we have these elevated, um, enzyme levels, which only really happen if you had a heart attack. So they were very confused. It was very confusing. And they only knew once they got in there. Right. Um, so it is, it's legit that I didn't find out until now Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it, it did feel very crazy making like, what? How can I, how can I get to 49 yeah. years old and not know that I have this congenital heart defect? Yeah, but some people can go their crazy. entire life um, without it and live a good, long, healthy life and then die. And if there's an autopsy done, oh, look, and they had a myocardial bridge. Right. And then some people, it does cause a lot of problems. Right. So yours hasn't caused any problems. So there's been no reason for anybody to, to look for it per se. Yeah. Except for it has caused all these problems. It's just that because they weren't like, because I wasn't identifying it as chest pain Mm -hmm. per se. um, Yeah. Crazy. So random question. Is it connected to Vivian's heart condition? Like, are they related genetically at all? It's a good question. It is not, it's a totally different thing. And in other great news, Vivian was actually discharged from her cardiologist this fall. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. She was actually initially discharged from him when he, when she was five years old, her heart, her heart condition went away. She, um, had, um, pulmonic valve stenosis. So a thickening of the pulmonary valve Mm -hmm. and that generally stays the same or it gets worse, gets thicker. And so it's, uh, there are a lot of valve replacements done. Um, and we thought that someday she would have to get a new valve. And, um, then when she was five, we went in for cardiologist appointment and he said, Oh, look at that. Like her, the pulmonic stenosis is gone. And we went, I said, but that wasn't an option, right? Like, (laughs) right. That was not presented to me as an option. (laughs) It was like going to stay the same or get worse. And he's like, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It, it is unusual. It's very unusual, but she got better. And we went to one of her other, um, uh, 
doctors after that. And he heard that she was discharged and he's like, no, I'm not comfortable with this. It doesn't just go away. And he's like, I trust your doctor. He's an amazing cardiologist, but I want him to continue to follow her. So he's been following her all these years, eight years now, um, almost nine years um, after she was discharged and just like following her every year and then every two years um, to just say, and then every time it's been like, yeah, still gone, still great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. That's cool. Yeah. But hers is more to do with um, her genetic syndrome, um, which mm-hmm. I do not have. So it's interesting because, um, we think of, um, genetic as like you were born with it or whatever. That's not like genetic. Um, the genetic syndrome is like a mutation, uh, a, a change, a variable, a variant, um, in a gene, um, congenital is just born with it. It doesn't mean that it necessarily came from anybody. We don't know if my parents have it because again, nobody's had a heart attack. Nobody's, you know, needed that invasive. Yeah. Uh, right. But as far as I know, nobody in my extended family, um, even has this, but who knows, maybe they do. And we may never know. Crazy. Wow. So glad you're okay. So we were, yeah. When this was happening, we were having a very funny text chain, the three of us, because (laughs) Kirsten had had a heart attack. I was having some long haul COVID symptoms that were less than ladylike and Kathy broke her foot. We're like, we are a motley crew. What is <laughs> happening? To this what a way crew? to start 2022, man. I mean, I mean, how did you break your foot, Kathy? Oh, like, can we not talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> I insist we do. I insist we do too. We just heard, we just went inside Kirsten's yeah. bed. <laughs> okay. The least we can do is talk about your pinky toe. Can we have some perspective? Okay. Uh, Kirsten had a heart attack and could have died, right? Yeah. You had COVID symptoms, which is a global pandemic killing millions of people. And I broke my pinky toe. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it is not the same at all. And I broke it by walking. Like I'm an idiot. Do you know what I mean? But like, don't you think that's a sign of old age that you just broke it by walking? Or stupidity. I don't know. Like one or the other. Yeah. So how uh, did you break your pinky toe? I broke my toe by walking into a dumbbell. <laughs> I walked into like shut up. <laughs> you walked into I, a dumbbell? Yeah. So the funny thing is, yes. Stephen has like, you know, various weights in his office slash our bedroom at this point, just because during the day he sometimes picks them up, right? So I accidentally walk into one and fuck up my foot. Um, however, the funny thing is like somebody was like, oh my God, so where's the dumbbell? Steven, of course, goes, same place it's been for six months. <laughs> like you're an asshole. Yes. It has not moved. It has been there for six months. I know exactly where it is. And yet I still walked into it. Uh... Yeah. So yeah, that's my fun, exciting story. And my rush to get to bed because it was like, 9 p.m. and I needed to go to bed. I walked into a dumbbell and broke my foot. Oh my God. It's actually <laughs> crazy relatable. Age experience that is pathetic. Yes. yes, but that's really relatable. I mean, that could, 
That could have been any one of us. It could have been any one of us. And despite of this massive pandemic, people still have heart attacks and still people still break their pinky toes. So I may be one of the millions in that statistic, but it, I hate to say it. It's kind of nice to have someone have something just regular. <laughs> If you're going to have an injury, it's just regular. I'm not terrified like I was with Kirsten. I'm just like, oh, she broke her toe. We can have a big laugh about it, even though it sucks. There's no hope of me dying from a pinky toe broke, breaking. Like, yeah. But it still (laughs) stinks because it hurts to walk and it hurts all the time. Anytime you break something, it hurts so bad. It's so annoying. And because I can't walk, like I'm limping. So like everything is out of line. So my hip hurts, my knee hurts, like everything is just annoying at this point. And I just want to put on a shoe and it's still swollen. So I can't. So it's still swollen. That's been like what, 10 days or so? No, today's a week. Today's a week. Okay. Okay. Well, it'll take a little bit. Are you icing it or anything? No. The Not person anymore. who loves I cold. Yeah. <laughs> the I know, person right? whose favorite thing is cold. Yes. Bring me some ice. It's true. Yes. We uh, should go p- come over here and put it in the polar plunge. I'm I not even joking. That. Yeah. But, or stick it in my pool, which is the same temperature as my <laughs> <laughs> the polar plunge. <laughs> the same temperature. Just stick it in the pool because that would help. I think it yeah. helps inflammation. I haven't actually been icing it since the first couple of days. Um yeah, I'm not a fan of the ice, but mm-hmm. I've been resting it a lot, elevating it. Like, it's so stupid. It's a broken toe. Like, there's not a lot you can do for it, you know? Did your kids so. send you some goofy Instagram posts and make you feel better about your broken toe? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, really, actually, was funny. So, of course, I broke it on a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, uh, Steven was convinced it was broken. He's like, I heard the break when you Ooh. hit it. Like I, he's oh. like, it was hardcore. Um, and of course I was like, no, it'll be fine. I think it's fine. I think it's just really bruised. Um, and it was like massively swollen and completely purple. Um, like my whole foot, not even just the toe. And Ooh. I was like, no, I don't want, it'll be fine. Like, and I figured out how to walk without it hurting so much. I was like, so clearly it's not broken. As um, you drag it like Quasimodo. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Like, I'm um, just dragging it behind like, me. You need to go to urgent care. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's uh, like, it's COVID. I'm not going to urgent care. Like if I need to get an x-ray, then I'm going straight to the orthopedist because I go to urgent care and they tell me it's broken. I'm going to have to go to the orthopedist anyway. I'm not going to two doctors. Like, forget it. So I couldn't get an appointment until Friday. So I had to wait until, yeah. So I waited an extra day before I went. And Lily was like texting me from school. What'd they say? What'd they say? I'm like, I haven't even gone yet. But so I think she was a little bit nervous, but yeah. All fine. Oh, good. Stupid injury. Stupid injury. Yeah. Like, but I don't even have a good story. Like, I wish I had something fun. Like, I wish we were rock climbing or like <laughs> or cheerleading or something. Or I cheerleading, was cheerleading. Right? <laughs> and I broke my toe. I'm yeah. only 49. So why not just get it done? <laughs> this is why I don't cheerlead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That would be a good story, though. It would be a much better story than I walked into a dumbbell. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, I am uh, still having COVID, post-COVID symptoms. And, you know, Lacey, our friend who's the trainer, told me that she thought all my issues were probably related to inflammation. So what you're saying, you you can't get COVID because of inflammation, I 100% 
100% agree. Now, Lacey's not a doctor. She's a nutritionist and a trainer that has several certifications in training. And she trains really high-end people. Not yeah, but that is, that's a legit um, yeah. long COVID thing, uh, inflammation. It's the, There's a name for it. It's like MISC. I don't remember what it stands for, but the I stands for inflammation or yeah. inflammatory. Yeah. It's a, I think I have it because... Um, the stuff that was going on for me post COVID was like this, this, I, the second day of COVID, this, I got like, it's hard to describe. It's not like a film, but it's almost like a film over parts of my vision. So you know how you have a floater and where the floater is, you can't see really well. I have that, but it's only in the same spot. It doesn't float. So I have like a non-floating floater <laughs> that won't go away. And, um, the second day of COVID, I started having bowel issues, like the foulest gas, and I have to go to the bathroom now. Um, no diarrhea, but I have to go to the bathroom now, and everything's not the same consistency. And that has stayed. Now, now last week, I got an IV of um, vitamins. Like one, I got two ba IV bags. One was all vitamin B, uh, magnesium, zinc, like all these hardcore vitamins. I, I literally smelled like a vitamin. Like I could smell it coming <laughs> out of my skin. I could taste it in my mouth. It was, I was sitting on the couch hours later going, this is really disgusting. I smell like a vitamin. Like if you just opened a multivitamin, it's, that was me. Hey. So I know my body really absorbed the vitamins and the bag emptied like that. She was like, wow, that's, you're good. Your body's really absorbing that. And then the next one was uh, a glutho, again, very scientific, a glutholosomonion, I don't know, it was some kind of massive good anti-inflammatory. And then I got like a NADS push. I don't even know what that is, but I was told by Lacey, these are the two things that help predominantly with inflammation. And then they added something that was like Advil on steroids, like a super powerful anti-inflammatory. That's basically Advil. And I felt horrible. Like I got the, the IV and as soon as that second IV went in, my all my sinus congestion like came back. My cough came back um, immediately. Like as soon as that IV started, all wow. my symptoms, like the cold-like symptoms, headache, all came back and stayed for the whole IV, which took an hour and a half. That second IV took an hour wow. and a half. And uh, I couldn't breathe in or out of my nose at all. It was totally shut down. And I, I felt like I had a pocket right here of like liquid, um, which was where I had most of my congestion when I was sick. I never had a runny nose ever when I had COVID. I just had like this area right here that felt a lot of pressure. So I knew I had congestion here, but I couldn't get it out. It wouldn't, it wasn't draining. It wasn't draining in any way, shape or form. Like I'd steam it and nothing would happen. And I would, you know, I'd take Sudafed and the pressure would relieve. So I'd be like, okay, well, it's definitely congestion. That's what's happening. Um, but yeah, on that IV, it all just came back. And I was like, are you kidding me? I just got this IV to give myself COVID again. <laughs> I know I have COVID again. But, and it stayed for about 24 hours. 
Um, and about 24 hours later, all that started clearing up. My eye got a lot better, but it's still there, but it's a lot better. And my tummy got better, but it's still there. It's still there. So I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. I guess I just have to wait till the inflammation calms down. Lacey told me they were finding that people's inflammation levels were increasing like four to 10 times what they were before they had COVID. And it just takes like 90 days for it to all clear out. But this IV was supposed to really get rid of it. But I think it got rid of maybe 80% of it. But I still very much have this stuff where I'm like, shit, what should I do? I actually went to the doctor because of the bowel stuff. I went to, I've had a virtual appointment with my doctor who sent me to take a stool sample, which was not fun. <laughs> I think I'd rather have your uh, cardiac catheter <laughs> than get the, the shit collection bottle look was this big. How in the hell? Are you supposed to put your shit in a tube of lipstick? How? They give you the specimen bottle and it's got a shovel in it. I mean, I was like, what is happening? Why don't you give me the urine analysis bottle? Like, I can make that happen. But I, there's no way I'm shitting in this. This means I have to shit in another vessel. Oh my God. And then scoop the shit out with the shovel <laughs> and put it in the lipstick tube of your specimen. I could not believe what was happening. It was awful. I, t I shit in a Ziploc bag. That's what I did. <laughs> it was so, it was terrible. I literally sat on the toilet and shit in a Ziploc bag <laughs> and then dug it out of the Ziploc bag. <laughs> I was like, if I get through this without gagging and I thought to myself, if Bert Kreischer had to do this, there would be vomit in the fecal matter because he was all over the place. It was terrible. I don't know who devised that plan of a lipstick tube specimen bottle with a shovel in it, but it's bad. It needs to be rethought. You know, there was stuff in the bottle, clearly, that my fecal matter needed to mix with so they can test it. I don't know why they can't do that in a flat, shallow deal instead of a tall, skinny, lipstick tube type deal. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. But I got it done and all my stuff is normal. Like there's, I don't have any kind of infection. I don't have any kind of funky bacteria. I have no parasites. I'm healthy, but I'm still very much not healthy. And Lacey had said to me, you know, your gut health was really good before COVID, it sounds like now your gut health is completely out of whack. So I've been trying to Google what I should do to improve my gut health. You know, you eat a lot of probiotics, you eat prebiotics. So I've been doing that. I've been, I've increased my yogurt. I've been eating pickled things like kimchi. I've, I've, I found this like soda drink is called an Olipop and it's a prebiotic drink that's actually really tasty. And then I've been eating like green leafy a lot more and it's just not straightening out. So. Uh, How long has it been? It's only been like two weeks. Oh, it's maybe? been four weeks since I've been negative. Oh, really? That long? Yeah, I've been negative wow. for, well, the 31st, almost four weeks. The 31st was my negative date, just December 31st. Okay. So we're yeah. on the 26th. So we're coming up on four oh, weeks. Um. 
potentially two more months. I know. And like yesterday, I pooped eight times. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, shut up. I shit in the middle of the night last night. (laughs) I shit again this morning and I just took a shit. Right? Maybe you have, but you've always been that way. Yeah, yeah, I shit my pants a lot. But I'm not that way. Hey, how's everyone doing today? I can't hear you. Morning. Nice Welcome back, Bert. Would you like this? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Just pull the thing out. We'll talk. Oh, well, Halston doesn't like it when we do that. Oh, fuck. Here. How are you guys doing? Hi, Bert. Morning. Welcome back. Hey, I heard you're going through some shit. Did you guys talk about that? That's what yeah. this podcast is. Oh, yeah, good. Is I was like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck. I was like, did I just share that with everyone? <laughs> How are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah? Um, yeah. I feel normal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, How would you feel if you did? <laughs> well, I woke up last night pretty certain I had heart disease because I was listening to a podcast and I was like, and I just, I just convinced myself, this is it. Don't work out tomorrow. Take it easy. I was, I, I would be a mess. Uh, I think that's, <laughs> shut up. I'm, I'm kind of a mess. I'm on and off a mess. Well, it's understandable. It's very understandable. You just get a bag, get an eight ball of cocaine, go downtown and just fucking end it you know (laughs) they say you're in control that way um i uh i'll tell you what i did that um that may help i've been started a happiness journal about to quantify what makes me happy and then get rid of the shit that i don't enjoy and because i think sometimes you don't realize it and one of the things i started doing was gratitude every morning and Mm -hmm. finding out very specifically who i'm grateful for Mm -hmm. what they did to make me grateful for them and then how can I make them grateful for me tomorrow? Oh, that's great. And that's amazing. I'm it, expecting all kinds of improvements. Well, you, are, you, are, you are number ah, one on the gratitude list. I can't wait for what yeah. I get to do to make me grateful for you. Ah, well, I know it's none of the stuff I like, though. Oh, <laughs> that makes me grateful for you. Yeah. <laughs> and today I'm going to get on the treadmill and walk very slowly and then get in the sauna and then get me? in the polar plunge. That's not for me. Well, I, got a, I got a busy day. I got to work until like five o'clock. And then at five o'clock, I'm going to try to find something to do to make her grateful. Oh. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. I'm sorry you got to go through this shit. And that's really Thanks. fucking crazy. Really yeah. crazy. But we're here if you need anything. Or let me rephrase that. I leave tonight. Leanne's here if you need anything. <laughs> As usual. Yeah. All right. Hey, Halston, can I leave this setup? I have interviews today. Can I leave this setup to do an interview with? Okay. Awesome. All right. Take care, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, babe. Come in and say hi when you get done. Okay. I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I guess he's joined my inflammation team. In the poop department. It is really crazy because I not have, I'm like, I've always had really good gut health. I'm really regular. I'm really predictable. Don't have any problems. And it's really uncomfortable. I can't imagine how people with IBS feel because that's got to be how they feel all the time. Like my doctor actually said, it sounds like you have IBS. And I was like, I don't have IBS. I I have inflammation, I think, post-COVID. I think, well, we've never had anyone complain of that. And I'm like, really? I know several people who've had diarrhea yeah. all through COVID. I mean, I'm the first person you've had who's had any kind of gastrointestinal issue post-COVID. I find that hard to believe. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I have a congenital disorder in my poop. <laughs> <laughs> That can just be discovered now that I have COVID. Maybe, 
the colonoscopy I've been avoiding for two years <laughs> will shed some light on it. I've got to go get that done. I have been avoiding that. We've talked in the past about how we take care of ourselves, but we don't, you know, mm -hmm. I have been avoiding my colonoscopy for one reason. Are you ready? Yeah. It's because I don't want to ask anybody for a ride. <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm irate. <laughs> You're going to cause me a second heart attack. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I have a really hard time. That is the stupidest thing. I, I, in my brain, I understand it's the stupidest thing. But Kathy picked me up from the hospital when I was hospitalized, and I did not want her to. I did not want her to pick me up. I didn't want anybody to have to deal with me in that capacity. I did not want to be dealt with. I did not, I did not want that. It makes me so very uncomfortable to have anybody have to take care of me. I, it must be something from my childhood. I don't know. Maybe it's something from the culture I grew up with, but I'm like, peace out. You mean somebody's got to give me a ride and pick me up after you shove a camera in my ass? Pass. I'm no, I, I think it's very relatable. I find it very, very hard to ask for help. Even when people are like, let me know how I can help. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, okay, I, I don't know what, I don't know what I need help with. And even when I do know it, I just think, oh, they've got to drive their kids to school, blah, blah, blah. I, I relate to it, but I also think it's stupid. And yeah, I think it's stupid. Too. And it's not like I had to pick you up from the hospital. I could easily have left you there. And <laughs> I picked you up because I wanted to, do you know what I mean? Like I didn't yes. have to, it wasn't a chore. I understand. So and it, I feel that you, way about all of you. But you do so right. much for so many yeah. people that people are really, I mean, they really are grateful when they get a chance to do something for you. Like our friend Lynn um, is somebody who has it together. She is doing, she is getting shit done mm -hmm. constantly. And I remember one time she asked for a favor for me to drive in the morning instead of her. I mean, she is so consistent. She is on it. She is dependable. She is always the one doing. And she asked for a favor. I was so grateful for the opportunity to repay all the hundreds, thousands of times that she's helping me out. Um, that, I mean, I literally was grateful. I was like, oh, thank God. I wish I could do this more often. Yeah. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. hundred. I've had this conversation with Kathy before. Mm -hmm. You, you want me to help you want to help me? Well, let me help you. And then <clears throat> it's really hard. I'm, I'm good with it in certain areas. I think when I'm not sure what it looks like to come out of a colonoscopy, are you sort of incapacitated? Why can't you drive? No, Am I you're drooling fine. in a cup? Just, okay, I've had a colonoscopy yeah. before. My mom had colon cancer at a younger age. So I, I've had, even though I'm not 50, I've had a colonoscopy before. The only unpleasant part of a colonoscopy is the prep for it. It's the day before that is a literal pain in the ass because yeah. you're pooping all day long. And you're honestly, it's not the pooping that's the problem. It's the drinking this horrible potion that they make you consume, like literally this, a, a giant, giant jug of it. Um, that is the only bad part about a colonoscopy. You will be fine. You will feel like you could drive home from the colonoscopy. You will be totally normal. And it, I mean, they will wheel you out to the car only because you've just been under a sedative or a mild anesthetic, but you're going to be fine. It's only that, you know, technically, legally, you cannot drive a car, but you will be fine. You'll have a normal conversation with Kathy or me or whoever drives you home. And yeah. 
<laughs> I think I've been waiting for one of you young bitches to catch up so we can go together. So we can like, instead of having a lunch date, we can have a colonoscopy date. And then we, have a third person drive us home. Exactly. I'd feel better because they'd really be driving you home and I'd just be catching ah, a ride. Okay. I'd just be bumming a ride. So I know you and Sandy are at 49. And yeah. so you're getting, you're getting there. I'm waiting for you. I, I think, I think it would be more. And then we could have a cocktail party the day before and drink the shit together so I'm not miserable by myself. This sounds like a better plan. Okay. Uh, end, of, end of June, my friend. Okay. Okay. Cocktail party is a terrible idea mm-hmm. because everybody is going to want the bathroom at the same time. And I have several bathrooms at my house. <laughs> I have several. No, but I have like three on the bottom floor. Right there. So I can accommodate two more. <laughs> We can just stand in the middle and go in all different directions to the bathroom. I mean, seriously, that has been my holdup, which is I know in my brain is so stupid. And I have colon cancer in my family, too, but not at a young age at like my grandmother and her brother and her sister all had it. But they were like 80 you know, which is not unusual and it was all treatable and they all were treated and survived and had no problems, but I'm 51. I'll be 52 this year. I'm like two years late. (laughs) I should have gotten it when I turned 50. So anyway, I guess I'll make that appointment sometime soon. I don't think they're doing that in the pandemic. I think they've, cause I had a mammogram scheduled for last week and they moved it um, because they said they don't have enough technicians. The technicians were all out. So um, that's fine. I, you know, I've obviously, I, I, I keep every appointment. The only test I haven't done is the one where I need a ride. <laughs> so stupid. A little well, bit. I think this is going to be one of these accountability things where, um, where we got on Kathy to get her appointment. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think Kathy and I are going to have to get on you to make that appointment. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you glad you brought it up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am actually. I've, I, I told Sandy this the other day and she was like, are you stupid? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What stupid person doesn't go get a colonoscopy besides you and my husband? The two stupid people who just don't want to take a ride. She was like, Tom doesn't want to have a ride from anybody either. He wants to drive himself. He can't drive himself. He's not going. And I was like, I'm, I feel exactly the same way. It's so stupid. She was like, you people are stupid. I will take you and I will pick you up. Kathy will, Kirsten will, anybody will. Don't do that. And so it's been, it's clearly been bothering me for a couple of weeks now that I haven't done it because I am really good at taking care of my health. So it's not about that. I'm not scared of the procedure. I'm not scared of the drinking this shit the day before. I'm not scared of shitting my brains out. I'm already doing that. You should be scared of drinking the shit before. That is, it's horrible. I was gagging the whole time. It's horrible. Are you trying to talk me out of it now? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm trying to say that you need to do this. You need to do this. I will. I will. When, when, uh, I just read a headline today. I don't know if it was an accurate headline. I read it. I read the headline only, not any of the article. And, you know, sometimes headlines are lies. So this may be a lie, (laughs) but it said that L.A. has reached its peak for COVID cases. And if that's true, if that headline is true, then a couple weeks from now, everything in the healthcare industry should calm down. And then I can make an appointment for both 
to get my boobs smashed between two plates <laughs> and a camera shoved up my ass. <laughs> Doesn't that sound delightful? Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> right? Getting old is so fun. <laughs> oh, it's not. And you know what's really not fun about it to me is when people's friends start passing, but their parents start passing away. Mm-hmm. That not only is our health suck and it's taking twice as long to get over everything, but it's scary to me when people start passing away in the generation ahead. I don't like that. Um, we've had a, like four people pass away since December. <clears throat> That's in that generation. And yeah. it, it makes your mortality so much more real because you go, oh, wow, pretty soon I'm going to be that generation. And I don't like that. And to have my friend have a heart attack in her 40s is very scary. Yeah. It makes life very real. And then so many people are coming up with so many problems at our age. Why? I don't like it. I know why. It's because we're aging and that's a natural part of life. But do you find it harder to recover from basic things now than before? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Harder to bounce back. I find, I find I <clears throat> it's harder for me to get my energy back. Now, I know with COVID, that's a, a long-term effect. That is the one thing that the IV did kind of do me a good solid with was I was like hitting a wall at four o'clock every day and uncontrollably going to sleep for like two, three hours and then going to bed for the night at a normal time and sleeping all night. So I was clearly very fatigued. But since I had that IV, that stopped. I, I feel like I can have a regular normal day. I get a little tired, but not like, and shutting down. I was literally like shutting down at four o'clock. But I, it doesn't seem to be doing that now since I had that IV. It seems to be kind of regulated. So maybe it helped the inflammation more than I know. Maybe my bowels are just so inflamed. <laughs> that there was only so much I could do. <laughs> but I tell you, if you need a room yeah. cleared, I can help you. <laughs> because <laughs> it smells terrible like toxic waste and i used so to like thank god kirsten you decided to do zoom today I know, you, right? her, you right? would you would you would you would i mean my kids are like in the car going oh my god mom and i'm like i can't help it it just falls out of my body i'm not like pushing it out it's just falling out you're gonna be glad i didn't poop my pants while driving i mean that's what it feels like i'm almost gonna poop my pants and all of it smells horrible it smells horrible. It smells like sick is what it smells oh, like yeah. someone who's oh. sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when a baby would have diarrhea and you go, oh, they're sick. Like this is something, this ain't normal. Yeah. This oh. is my tummy hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Your tummy definitely hurts if you drop that deuce. I mean, that's what it feels. It smells awful. So at least the fatigue kind of went away. The toxic waste was just more than that. <laughs> blue thocosum can handle. <laughs> so oh, what boy. are you are you doing anything different now to take care of your health than you did in your twenties or thirties? I mean, I'm putting an effort into taking care of my health. <laughs> How are you putting an effort in? I don't know. Like I'm more conscious about like just everything. Exercising, eating, like, you know, exercising before I did because I don't know. It was fun. It was a social thing, whatever. Now I'm like, no, you have to exercise. You have to 
like even though you don't want to, you have to. Before it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like it was something that was necessary. Mm-hmm. And I ate whatever the hell I wanted whenever I wanted. You know, now I'm like, oh, we should probably make a better choice or, you know, whatever. So I think I'm just more conscious of those things that 20 years ago I was not thinking about at all. Totally. So <clears throat> what about you, Kirsten? Yeah. Um kind of similar to Kathy. I think um when I was in my 20s. I exercised to look a certain way. Um, and then I started marathon running and I was doing that because I just loved the, I loved how it cleared my mind. Um, so I started feeling the mental health benefits of exercise. Um, and yeah, and now I, I exercise for the mental and physical health benefits. I have to say that I'm, I'm not doing a lot different other than just, you know, making those colonoscopy and mammogram appointments and, and whatnot. But, um, I, if I could vent for a moment yes, about, um, some of the unhelpful, um, comments, people have been amazing. People have been amazing since I had a heart attack. They've 99% been completely amazing, loving, um, supportive, wonderful. Um, but there have definitely been a handful of people more than a handful who've said, well, you've got to start watching what you eat and exercising. And I'm like, do you even know me? Like I I exercise like I, that's, I mean, that's just, that's a given. If you know me at all, you know, that I exercise. And also if you know me at all, like I eat mostly plant-based. I'm not a vegetarian officially, but I eat mostly plant-based. Yes. Could I cut out um, the pizza that we get every two weeks? We only get a pizza every two weeks, every second Friday, whatever. Yeah. But also like they've been inside my arteries. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's looking really good. So it's like whatever, my diet and exercise is working for me. This yeah. isn't because yeah. of that. I really resent when you guys are so great because you ask questions or like, well, what is going on? Why would this happen? Um, instead of a lot of people make assumptions. And so to yeah. them, it's like, oh, heart attack. Oh, it's those people who go and eat fast food, drive through and whatever. So you're one of those people. And it's like, why on earth would you make an assumption? And also, even if I was one of those people. Like yeah. if I was going through a drive-thru every day, which I don't, I'm not even a, I'm not even a French fry person. I don't really enjoy French fries. <laughs> like, um, but even if I was like, how helpful would that be? Do you not think that yeah. I would be getting like, I'm seeing a cardiologist. Like yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. several cardiologists now. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell me what needs to happen. It's not, I just find, and this, this has happened like with my kids' illnesses over the years, that comments from the peanut gallery about medical stuff are so unhelpful. They are yeah. 99.9% unhelpful unless you've been like Leanne, if you talk to somebody who was experiencing some weird symptoms after having COVID, it's completely appropriate to say, gosh, I would you like to hear about my long COVID <laughs> Yeah. stories because yeah. it can, that kind of stuff can be really right. when it's appropriate, when it's like a good fit, it can be super helpful, but it's not helpful when 
I have people all of a sudden sending me a DM saying, oh, guess you're going to have to lay off the French fries. I'm like, I was never on the French fries. Like, <laughs> you don't know me, buddy. You don't know yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and it's just insulting too, because it's like, oh, and I'm like, I get what you're doing there. I'm 49. I'm young. It's unexpected. So it makes people feel off balance. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes to feel off balance. So they want to immediately blame you for something. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's the same with, if a woman gets raped, but she's out at, at 2 AM wearing a short skirt and drunk, it's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, that wouldn't happen to me because I wouldn't wear a short skirt and I wouldn't be drunk and I wouldn't be out at 2 AM, whatever unhelpful, like yeah, unhelpful. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's wrong. It's always it doesn't wrong. matter in a rape situation. You yeah, should exactly. be raped anyway. It of shouldn't course. matter. It oh. should exactly. Thou shalt not rape like that. That oh, yeah. is just a hundred percent. It shouldn't have happened. No matter, even if she was like walking naked through a park at totally. 2 AM or whatever, yeah. but it's like the victim blaming. There is like this, some people have this inherent need to victim blame. And mm -hmm. I have definitely experienced that in the past. Totally. Month. I bet you have. Yeah. yeah a lot of that. And it's been very frustrating because I'm like, I, I want to just like sit them down and psychoanalyze them and say, <laughs> I get that this is uncomfortable for you. Right. I get that you don't want to have a heart attack. You don't want anyone that you love to have a heart attack. So you're trying to find a reason and blame me for something, but it's like back the fuck up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Another piece of that. I was with a friend this weekend uh, who is in her forties and, um, she grabbed my arm and she went, Whoa, you're really strong. Like you have like muscles. And I went, yeah, uh, I've been working out like a lot and I am really strong, but I don't think anybody looks at me and goes, she works out, you know, because <laughs> I still have, I still have meaty areas of my body that the only way I could really get rid of them is to only eat lean protein and green leafy vegetables every day, all day long. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not interested in that. I like a good sandwich. I like bagels. I don't eat a whole bagel ever. If I eat a bagel, I eat a half, you know, I, if I, if I make eggs and toast, I make one piece of bread. I am not an excessive overeater, but I'm not gonna, I, I just don't feel good about living my life without enjoying what I eat. And I don't, I don't eat crazy stuff. And this is what my body looks like. And if in the scope of my genetic makeup, my mom was rail thin, but she also was macrobiotic. You know, she ate nothing. Um, she ate nothing that was processed and that's all really good for you. I don't really eat a lot of processed foods, but I do eat like pasta and I guess you could say that's, pro I don't, I'm not making my pasta homemade. <laughs> I buy organic pasta, but I kind of try to do the best I can with still having a kind of balanced, normal diet. And at the end of the day, I, if, if I wanted to look like a supermodel at 50, I, I, I should lose 15 pounds. And I look at my body and go for 50, I look pretty fucking good. I'm not going to get you in a bikini. Great. Uh, but should I be in a bikini at 51? I don't know if my body oh, look great in a dictated bikini. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. But would. no, thank you. But I would not look good in a bikini. <laughs> thank you. I see myself in underwear and go pass. <laughs> Let's hold it all together. Everything's just real jiggly, jiggly. Um, but you know, I have friends, Kathy and Sandy, they wear bikinis. They look amazing. 
Yeah, I have, they do. They, they do. do. They look amazing. I'm on the treadmill. Please don't scare me. I wrote that to remind you. Okay. Well, I'm I'm leaving. I have to go to Drop Squad. Right now? Uh, and just, I've got like five more minutes. I got to wrap it up. So then I'll wait to get on the treadmill. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Where's the bikini body at 60 was his question. Anyway, I was like, you know, at a certain point, I just had to go. I'm doing my best. I'm working out hard as hell three days a week, harder than most people I know. I am more fit than a lot of people I know. And, um, and isn't that what's important? I'm not massively obese. I'm not overweight. In a, I mean, every time I go to the doctor, she goes, yep, you're, you're at perfect weight for your height and age, perfect weight. But I look in the mirror and I go, I do have this little inner tube. <laughs> There's this one little inner tube. When I talk about the inner tube, I got it. It's that exact area. And it's just right around the middle. Like, you know, when you see like trucker women and their waist is bigger than their ass, is bigger than their... <laughs> I think my, my, my body's turning into this like this. But hey, I, I'd rather just enjoy my life and not worry about it. And I am healthy eater. And I definitely work out hard. But it's hard. I think sometimes when you see... Um, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people who you see eating the same things you're eating and they're real thin. And then you go, well, thank God I'm not eating the same things they're eating and I'm 50 pounds heavier. Because again, I think this is a lot of hormones. A lot of this is your hormones, your hormones and your metabolism. And is your metabolism regulated somewhat by your hormones? I would imagine it is in some way, you know? So at the end of the day, I think you have to do your best I've done my best everywhere except for the colonoscopy. <laughs> and then I'm take the way what's changed for me from my twenties and thirties is um, I think I am um, more aware of things like probiotics and prebiotics and gut health. And, and maybe gut health wasn't a catchphrase in my twenties and thirties. It definitely wasn't, but I wasn't really concerned with, um, vitamins or any kind of supplements like I drink athletic greens every day so I make sure I get tons of greens and I add protein like an unflavored protein powder to my coffee because I know women of our age need a great deal of protein every day and I can't possibly eat enough meat and legumes to get that protein so every day I add protein powder to my coffee and um yeah, so I just try to be a little more conscious of getting the nutrition that I need where I was never really worried about that in my 30s or 20s. I was just like, I was eating three balanced meals a day and that's as far as it would go. But now I go, three balanced meals a day actually isn't enough protein for me in my 50s. Um, so I don't know. Well, I hate to do it, but I do have to wrap it up to go work out. <laughs> <laughs> I take care of myself, but I am so glad that you are okay. Yeah. I'm Thank so you. glad. Yeah. Um, we can't do without you. So it's not just your family. We can't do without you. So please don't, don't, don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. I know you have great care yeah. and they've got it under some, some kind of control and are doing some um, exploratory <laughs> figure this out. Yeah. And that's good. So, yeah. Same with you, Kathy. Don't go kick any more dumbbells, okay? <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> stupid. And I want to say, Kirsten, I know that this was um, very personal. So, thank you very mm -hmm. much for sharing. I, I know 
you know, every time we share something really personal, I get so many emails saying, I am so glad you did that. I had this happen to me too. I mean, anytime, like Isla last week, we we're talking about her sensory processing disorder stuff. And I got flooded with comments and emails about people having the same issues and not knowing what it was about people who had diagnosed and have never heard anyone talk about it publicly. Um, not that I'm a huge public forum, but I am somewhat public and how brave Isla was to share that. And I just think that's how you make the world a better place is that you make us all feel like we're not alone, you know? So thank you for sharing that, your experience. And Kathy, thank you for sharing your experience. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kathy got recognized in the mall. Oh my Kathy, God. Kathy got recognized from Wife of the Party. I was so excited when she told me that. Tell the story really quick and then I have to go. I, you just did. I mean, okay. So I went to the mall. I was quickly walking out, not paying attention. And somebody called my name and I was like, well, that's so weird. I don't know this person. And he was like, I, uh, I listened to wife of the party. I love you guys. It's great. And I was like, I feel so bad because I was so taken aback. Like, I feel like I should have said something else. I was like, Oh, thanks. And I kept like, it was so weird. It totally threw me off guard, but it was very fun. That's awesome. Now you're going to have to start signing autographs. You're going to get your your name on the walk of fame. (laughs) With yeah. a big microphone on it. <laughs> I think that's Next really to a cool. broken toe. Yeah, Next to a broken toe, right? <laughs> and it was a guy, which I think is really, yeah. and you had a mask on. Yeah. And yeah, crazy. that's amazing. Yeah. Right? So cool. Well, thank you for being on this journey with me. You know, you're my most regular guests and I really appreciate <laughs> your time and what you give to me and to this um program. I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much for sharing today. Um, I'll pat, you know, I always pass on good comments I get. So if I get any good emails from anybody, I'll pass them on. So you can feel the love, feel the love. (laughs) All right. So next podcast, we'll do Carrie with the two of you. We'll figure out when we can do that. And we can talk about how you related the bloodshed to the blood drawing (laughs) that was happening in the hospital. (laughs) All right. Y'all have a good day. (laughs) You too. All right. You too, ladies. Bye. Bye. Bye.